Welcome to Enemies from War to Wisdom. Why do we need enemies? From intimate relationships to politics, tribalism, and community, we cannot seem to stop dehumanizing each other. Chronic conflicts in our families, societies, and nations seem inevitable. In this podcast, we analyze human hostilities from the most mundane to the most sophisticated. We apply psychology, psychoanalysis, art, spirituality, and relational theory in conversation about belonging and otherness. Each program will reach for a fresh wisdom that shows us how to step back from creating enemies in our lives. I'm your host, Eleanor Johnson, a videographer and artist with Emma Troop, an experimental theater group in New York City, and I am here with my co-host, Polly Young Eisendratt, who is a psychologist, Jungian analyst, author, and speaker. We approach our ideas each from our own worlds, but always from the spirit and teaching of Buddhism, of which we are lifelong practitioners. The title of today's podcast is Both Sides Now, Keeping an Eye on the Opposites, contraries during the COVID-19 crisis. At this crucial juncture, when we are beginning to contemplate our return to life outside, when the lockdown is over, we especially need to be reflective, thoughtful, and open-minded. The famous poet and artist William Blake wrote, without contraries, no progress, in his famous poem, The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of all sides of the conversation being included in our coming to terms with what is next regarding this virus, our economy, and other future pandemics. How do we work with our communities, ourselves, our bodies in order to stay healthy and aware? How does our human relationship with nature evolve now that we've seen the imbalances of human greed and wealth openly revealed? Without getting into politics, we will touch on topics such as 5G, vaccines, our human and civil rights, and what kinds of issues we need to open our eyes and ears to in these coming weeks, months, and possibly years. So, Polly, let me just take a deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) Wanting to become more skillful, I truly want to become more skillful. Mm -hmm. But yes, yes, Mm -hmm. especially now when we have, I mean, it's just everybody was, uh, there's just so much misinformation. Everybody's speaking. It's like a hundred voices speaking all at the same time. And it's um, a very, um, very challenging for all of us. But anyway, so let's... um, Explore this one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to unpack some of this. I mean, let's start with this term misinformation or yes. disinformation. Or disinformation. People. They use both terms, yes. Yeah. 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 So you're probably aware that people say that about something that they disagree with, mm-hmm. so that there are different tribes. So tribe one thinks such and such is misinformation or disinformation. Mm-hmm. And usually that's what the other tribe thinks is information. Exactly. And then the other tribe thinks this is disinformation or misinformation, which is what the first tribe embraces as true. Mm -hmm. So just to begin, there are different strong points of view on everything from our economy to our health to what this virus is, to what the future pandemics are going to be. There is no agreement among scientists, among epidemiologists. 
There is no agreement among religious people. There is no agreement among uh, various economists or pundits having to do with finances. In all of these arenas that we will be facing in terms of bringing something like a future back together, there is a lot of disagreement. In fact, maybe the only level of agreement that I have seen in these recent weeks mm -hmm. is that th this isn't even true entirely, but many people have agreed that the COVID-19 virus is difficult to figure out, it is threatening, and that we should take precautions about it. There are people who don't agree with that entirely also. Right, well, that's true. That don't think it's dangerous That don't all. think it's dangerous, or they don't think it's that dangerous. But all I'm pointing out here, and what I really want to stick with in this podcast, is the idea that unless we deal with these contraries, unless we deal with the different sides of this conversation, we cannot have long-lasting results or solutions for our future. In other words, there is not one side that is going to win. There is not one side that knows everything, and there is not one side that has all of the science. So when people say, well, if you follow the scientists, or you follow the epidemiologists, or you follow the experts in finance, both sides have their scientists, their epidemiologists, right. their experts in finance. Right. There isn't just one side on any of these issues. And I think one of the things that we're also finding with the COVID-19 is that we're all part of the same world. Well, I'm it's not happening. sure what I you mean, mean that by that. Well, I mean that we've got all of these. We've got 100,000 voices speaking all at, at once, and everybody thinks their point of view is right, and et cetera, et cetera. And there's, a, this, there's the dismantling of the dysfunction that's happening everywhere. But, at this, but, but this has happened throughout the world. Oh, it's you mean not that just, we're, we're all in this we're moment. We're all in this. It's not like it's just happening yes, in New York City. It's happening right. absolutely everywhere. Yes, and so, well, not everywhere. I mean, Antarctica yeah, is not, not happening. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's in Antarctica. No, there it's but, just melting. And I don't know. You know, there, there are places. I yeah. mean, there are places here in Vermont. Yeah where nobody has a computer or electricity. Right, it's right. not happening there because yeah, yeah. they don't know about it, you know. I mean, up the road here, there's a whole community and an ashram where people are off the grid. Yeah. So they, they're not in this. But most yeah. most big organized countries right. are very, very much you know, a I'm part of the narrative. They're yeah, part of this level. narrative, yeah. 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 But, you know, to say that it's one thing is really, uh, it's yeah. not really accurate. So, but we're all in this narrative. We're in a cohort. You could call it that. Yes, yes. Like we're all together like, on earth at this right. moment. And all the tribes are dealing with this at the, one level or another. Well, all yeah. the ones that are connected to That's media right, and right, the computer right, and so yeah. on. So, you know, there's a certain degree of wealth connected to computers. And so I don't know what it's like to live somewhere well, there's no electricity and there's never been a computer. So we, we need to mention that because there are such places mm -hmm. and they're not too far away from me right here in Vermont. Mm -hmm. So, but in general, this is a narrative that is encompassing most countries, most nations, and most people who are participating in the public domain right. in some way. And so in that sense, that is really interesting to have everybody yeah. on board in the narrative. Yeah. 
And there's never been something like this because there's never been this kind of media at the same time or there was internet, a pandemic. Yes, yes, there there yes. were pandemics the world yes. over, but they didn't yeah. have the kind yeah. of internet media yeah. that we have now. Yeah. So, you know, the reason that I wanted to do a podcast on this idea is that I hear so many podcasts and teachings around the notion that we all have to get on the same page about climate change, about saving our economy, about dealing with future pandemics, about our health system, and so on. So I know that I know in my heart of hearts, as well as in my head of heads, that to get on the same page, the only way to do that is dialogue. The only way to do that is both sides now. And that's exactly also what Blake was talking about after the French Revolution when he wrote The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. Right. He said, you know, you cannot just impose one narrative on people. You have to allow for both sides. And we have not, in our country, been able to do that. Well, I think also in the French Revolution, at the time when Blake wrote The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, there was the awareness in that in those circles anyway that the the, the revolution failed. Yes. You know, they all you know, they all recognized what the guillotine created and that the massive bloodshed on all levels it was just so it was so again, so extreme. And so there was the recognition there that, of, like how, of how you have to bring the two sides. Right, exactly. You cannot just make one side right. I think you saw that also, you know, in the Cultural Revolution in yes, China. exactly. Where just one side got yeah. the narrative. And maybe there's something that's going to awaken if we could speak about our culture, that we're going to recognize something that wasn't working in our culture that will help us maybe, you know, come into a greater ability to listen to each other. Well, that's the key. The key is in the listening part. The key is not in the speaking part. And so, you know, I mean, one reason why I have been working on real dialogue as both a skill and as a facilitated conversation, as a method. So it's a skill and it's a method. And really helping people with, you know, giving these tools, Polly, to people to... um, that just you know haven't been aware of 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 how important it is for us to be able to well, work for, with difference. Yeah, for some reason, Eleanor, and this has been troubling to me through my adult life, as I have been, um, you know, certainly what I would call a liberal, a progressive liberal, maybe a progressive progressive. I don't know what to call I know. exactly what my... Don't fit. But, right. but as I've done this, I have noticed gradually, gradually that my tribe has gotten more violent, more authoritarian, mm-hmm. more imposing of points of view rather than asking about points of view. So it's a sadness to me that the people that I have identified with as my people you know, have become more and more convinced that they know the right way to do things and that it has to go their way. And so in a certain way, I would say I have changed course in the sense that I don't want to talk about politics. I want to become independent of politics because all I really want to see in the remainder of my short life on earth, and I don't have that much time left, I want to see that there is a way to avoid violence to avoid war 
through dialogue because I believe that human beings have that option and that they rarely take it. They rarely, rarely take it. I mean, as we've talked about Homo sapiens many, many times, Homo sapiens are very violent in their history on Earth. Our species has been at war much more than it has not been. About 95% of the time we've been on Earth, we have been at war. And we have been at war because we could not talk together. And we also don't seem to value our own species enough to preserve the other side, to preserve those that we disagree with. You know, and I would like to see that change. I believe if this period of time is bringing an opening, it is the opening that recognizes the importance of the present moment and of both sides being present at any conversation, any table, any any kind of event where we want to talk about the future, what's going to happen next. We need both sides. We need the contraries. We need the opinions that we disagree with and a curiosity to find out, you know, why does this person think this way? Instead of believing that that's useless, you know, what the other person is thinking. So to, to be able to see that at this juncture, you know, this maybe is a little premature for this moment when we're sitting here, but by the time this podcast gets released, it's possible that many communities will begin to look at how to come out again into ordinary life and what's going to be a part of this ordinary life. You know, are people going to, for example, all have to either be vaccinated or have had exposure to the disease in order to travel, in order to get on an airplane, in order to function in society? And will people then have to have identification that shows they have been vaccinated? What are the pros and cons of that? You know, where does that lead? And what kinds of conversations do we have to have about our, you know, rights to privacy and about what we're going to do in order to feel at ease with with others whom we may have felt were contaminated. You know, this has been a period of time too when we've separated out from other people. Very dangerous. And yeah, and we've begun to think of each other as as having a contamination instead of something interesting to say. So, you know, as we come out and we sit down, what kinds of rules should we set for ourselves? Particularly, you know, I'm talking now about those of us who've had spiritual practice. If we've had the uh, actual privilege of having teachers and learning how to work with our own mindfulness, how to be aware of what's going on in our own snow globe, in our own subjectivity. What are you actually thinking? How are you speaking to yourself? What are the images coming up in your mind? Can you listen to somebody who has points of view that are completely different from yours? And if you can't listen, why not? You know, didn't you learn how to be mindful in order to work with yourself so you could listen? You know, it's like it becomes a test of those of us 
who have been practicing, can we actually work with our own subjective experience in order to tolerate somebody else's, somebody who has a really different point of view? What do, you, what do you think? I mean, you know, we were talking earlier about tolerating pain in ourselves. Well, I think as I'm listening to you, Polly, I realize that for, you know, I would say the last 25 years of my life, I've been wrestling with this in my art making process and the film work that I'm doing. I'm not an intellectual. I work with, I work in the realm of, of silence and imagery and prayer and, and, and creating these these kind of mandalas that can awaken the desire in the heart of another to to not pull a gun on somebody else or to not out project hate mm -hmm. but to try to be able to hold that tension and to 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 understand the the, the power of a nonviolent not nonviolent approach and stuff but i create these huge kind of I almost think sometimes that I'm I'm creating like the rose window, you know, where people can open dimensions of their their mind and heart in a way through just the way that I work with image patterns and music and movement and all that kind of stuff. That but I don't have I don't have the skill to work with it intellectually in in the way that say um, that the, the way that you do. So you know yeah. I don't actually yeah. consider any of this intellectual. I know you know you don't. that I consider it a practice, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I assume but it's that if I have, but if and, I have yeah, practiced yeah. as yeah. a meditator, yeah, I assume my number one, my number one thing is restraint, right? Because well, all religions yes, treat, teach that yes, as your number one, yes. your, your number one spiritual yes. position. But that doesn't mean restraining somebody else from violence. Exactly. It means restraining yourself. Exactly. You, you can, know. That's, so that's yes. Can you restrain? Yeah. Your own thoughts yeah. and feelings yeah. long enough to hear somebody's. That's right. That you disagree that's with. That's right. And if not, what's your practice worth? Mm -hmm. Is it really worth all that time and effort if you cannot do that if you when can. the rubber hits the road? Right. If you couldn't sit down with somebody who says. You know, I think the whole position on climate change has been manipulated. Well, and not I've... everybody has the opportunity to sit down with the other. I mean, the thing is, you want to keep it open, hopefully, but yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to sit yeah. down to go forward. I think we're going to have to sit down with people who have different views about 5G, for example. 5G, which is a technology, it's a form of radio dynamics that set up the possibilities for drones, that set up the possibilities for self-driving cars, and that set up the possibilities for certain kind of digital communication. And these you know, sites that give possibility for using 5G have to be set up fairly close to each other, is my understanding. And they're and they're developing in certain cities and so on. So as we go forward, there are some people that have associated 5G with lowering of our immune responses. And there are some scientists that have argued very strongly that there is a lowered immune response in the midst of this level of electromagnetic and radiation dynamics, you know. And then there are other scientists and there are other technicians that argue that it's not harmful and that we need this technology in order to go forward in our digital progress. Now, in, in my opinion, if those two sides cannot have open dialogues where we get to hear both sides 
completely, not cut off, not walking away from, not exploding, but simply talking about what are these two sides. If we cannot do that, I don't see how we can make decisions about what we want in our communities. You know, do you want this or do you actually fear this? Do you think this technology does affect your immune system and that it is contributing in some way to the fact that cities like Wuhan or New York City or other cities it's that have 5G. Controversial. Yeah, it's yeah. So both sides yeah. need to sit down, right? Without it me without a hearing bit of, them both. You know, what we went through the long years that took us to understand that smoking was harmful. Yeah, um, I mean for a long time people yeah. said no, it's not yeah. harmful or hormone but, replacement yeah. therapy for women. Yeah. Or you I know? mean I think of in my own world of of the, the individuals who have been very aware of the downside of technology, the mutation that it brings in terms of the immune system in the human being, and who have made choices, very clear choices in their life around it. So In again, terms you, of where they live, in terms right. of what they... I mean, I have friends who are really... Big players, you know, internationally, but they don't have, they, they don't use, I mean, you know, cell phones and things like that. They found other ways of, 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 of dealing with it because they don't want that in their lives. Well, there are people up the road from me who don't have electricity, Yeah, but they don't have, they're not big players. I mean, yeah. they decided to live a simple life, to be off the yeah. grid, etc. But I think what I'm what I'm trying to talk about is there are two sides on these conversations. Yes, yes. These are not one-sided right, conversations. Right. And all of us, yeah. all of us ordinary yeah. folks who yeah. are out here trying to right. look at what the future is going to be, right. we need to hear both sides. Right. We need to hear away. them yes. we need to hear them at length. Yeah. You know, so that each side has a chance to bring up yeah. what why they believe what they do. And there are so many of these issues. There's the issue about vaccination, about identification, about privacy. There are issues about 5G. There are also issues about what we do in the face of future pandemics. You know, how do we evaluate a pandemic? What kind of modeling do we use? Because there are different kinds of modeling. And those different kinds of modeling lead to different kinds of responses in our communities. And if we, again, don't hear from both sides, then there are things like gun rights. And again, very different points of view. But if we don't sit down with and talk about both sides, then it is impossible to make clear decisions. Then you're imposing on some people who've never actually talked to people who have a different point of view. So, you know, in this period that we're going into, and this is where, again, I think this virus could be a teacher because of the uncertainty, because of the complexity. This is the time to learn how to listen to somebody who sees it completely differently from yourself and to realize that we are not going to be able to work with climate change, we can't work with technology, we can't work with vaccinations, if we cannot talk to our own species, if we can't really sit down. Or another way too is allow other people to just have a different point of view from us. Well, I think we're going to have to make the decisions together. I think that the decisions are so big 
that we're making right now about the future on earth. I mean, there are so many contingencies yeah, yeah, yeah. that we have to not just agree to disagree because there's no decision making then. We have to sit down together, well, that's what we're hear both right sides, yeah, yeah. and then negotiate what is it that the two sides can agree to so that we can go forward together. You know, on, on a small level, that has to happen in families, and on a large level, in nations, and on a larger level, to be able to see how the different nations work together, we have to hear about all of these sides. And, you know, again, because I've done so much work in Real Dialogue, and I know that in difficult conversations, which all of this is, by the way, not at all in the framework of uh, conflict resolution or nonviolent communication. It's in the framework of negotiation. In all of the research that's been done on negotiation and the difficulties that people come to, the most typical problem is the shutdown of the communication itself in which people cannot go further in talking about a topic because of one thing. They cannot listen accurately to any opinions that they deeply differ with because they listen more to their own internal conversations with themselves so they can't actually hear what the other person is saying. They keep wanting to say what they have to say to defend themselves, promote themselves. So there is a mindfulness discipline in listening and then seeing if you've heard it, paraphrase it, check it out. Uh, In doing that, it's as though you go through a door that you've never been through before. You actually find out something you've never known, which is that there is somebody who is just like you, who has a completely different snow globe, who sees it completely differently. And once you see that that's tolerable, that you can actually hear that, it opens up a whole different view of being human. That being human means that we can have dialogue. We don't have to do fight or flight all the time. That is at our very essence. And that gives us a freedom that animals don't have. But unless we take that freedom, what we do is that we try to predict and control and we try to dominate the other side and get our way because we feel our way is the best way. So, you know, it's like at this moment, the virus could teach us, let's sit down with both sides because this is a complex set of circumstances that we're facing coming out of this. And I think we need all sides. I I can't imagine that I know myself anything really about the implications that are ongoing about so many things having to do with health, having to do with technology, with viruses, with economies, with human rights, with privacy. I mean, there are so many, there are so many levels. And I would love to hear both sides so that then I could even know maybe what the both sides are. I, I do think that there are many, many people who would love to hear both sides you know, who feel lost enough from everything that has happened to feel like, okay, this is the time. And also just to have more and more availability of 
that teaches this. Well, yes, that, that, that opens. This, that gives us, gives, gives an opportunity to people who don't have, say, the privilege of the kind of access that we both have, but that could, you know, could see that reflected in the, in the popular media, online, in a newspaper that talks about the good news. I mean, you know, or just to allow that rather than, you know, we're just so inundated with, you know, again, negativity and... Or one side. Or one you side. You know, we have the yeah. one side and I mean, then the way we think that the I other think side about is... It is information in my own life if I can just allow myself even though I I fail all the time in terms of you know what I feel you know my my capacity but just to not out project my own fear or difference of opinion on another person but to let another person be who they are you know, I mean, all the people in my life who I'm not someone who's going to pick up a gun, but there are many, many people in my life who have guns. I mm-hmm. come from a gun culture. Mm-hmm. I come from a military background. Mm-hmm. Everybody in my family has guns. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with it, mm-hmm. but I don't want that imposed on me. Mm-hmm. You know, but my it's mm-hmm. important for me to allow other people to be in their, you know, in their to differ from me and it's just mm-hmm. as, you know that I can keep the toxicity of my own snow globe or mm-hmm. my own subjectivity mm-hmm. I don't have to I don't want to put it on another mm-hmm. that that's really important to me and so then the next step after that is it gives to me say, greater capacity right, to hear another to say help me understand yeah. what it's like for you yeah. what's it like in your snow globe if you own a gun what is it like? What what does that mean to you? And yeah. where is that going? And and um, so you know, it's, and, and it's, most of the times when you do talk to people, say for example, in my own small little world of all the people who have guns, I don't feel that there's anybody in my world that would actually misuse it. Right. I, mean, I don't well, know anyone who would. I mean, they would be very conscious. So in you know, I, to, I assume that everybody around me who has an opinion different from mine has given it a lot of thought yeah. and also has given it a lot of study that I'm not the only person who's given right. thought and study right. to an opinion. Right. And so as I go into people's opinions that differ from mine, I'm actually interested in how they got to those opinions because I might change my mind as a result of hearing that. And I have changed my mind over these last 10 years or so about a lot of things. But the one thing that I have not changed my mind about is the idea that human beings have this potential to talk to each other and understand their differences. And in that way, they can avoid actually killing each other. I don't think there is any other way we can avoid it because we now dominate the earth at such a level that it's not as though our survival is, you know, uh, it's most of the time when we're fighting with others, it's not because they're taking our lands and our goods. It's because our opinions differ, you know, so either we differ in opinions about how to run an economy or how to want run a religion or whatever. And we'll go to war with people over our different views rather than talk to them and try to get why do they think the way they think and and maybe we don't have common ground maybe you know maybe we don't have any common ground with north korea but let's find out what the people in north to korea or the leaders in north korea think so that we can understand better what we think because without talking to other human beings the only thing we can do 
is to project onto them and to see them as you know, so different from ourselves that we can't understand them. I remember once sitting with the uh, remarkable filmmaker and philanthropist Abigail Disney where she talked about going and talking with all these different evangelical leaders yeah. to try to find, again, common ground, yeah. where there was common ground yeah. because there was so much happening in our culture at one point around all that fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. And, and she did a film on that, and she did the same thing when she was working on women in war. You know, like listening to those, again, listening to those voices mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. using the medium of documentary film to mm-hmm. do that. And, and mm-hmm. Fork Films, her organization is that all of the projects they work on, it has to do mm-hmm. with, you know, opening that field so that we can, again, agree to disagree and hear one another and hear mm-hmm. all the different points of view mm-hmm. and then find that common thread. Mm-hmm. You know, among, among, you know, mm-hmm. and, and... So just to be, I mean, one thing that, I mean, I think that hearing through documentary is a wonderful way to learn, and then you see what someone else's life is right, like. Right. But the agree to disagree is the one place where I, you know, I always depart from that, because agree to disagree means don't have the conversation. You actually have to go through the conversation and really get what the other person is saying. You have to be able to hold the emotional... So that you work with your own feelings, you work with, you tolerate your feelings, you go through the conversation, and you hear both sides completely. Right. Right. And then once you've heard them both, right. you have more tools. Right. Well, I think the true documentary is trying to do that. I mean, I, forgive me for not being clear, but yeah, I think in the documentary world they're trying to do that. No, well, I think they're you are. To you know, that. I mean, you're going in and you're seeing yeah. somebody else's life exactly. from their point of view. That's right. In a conversation with a person who has a very different point of view, so you know what often happens is that we we can we people who you know feel like. We have open mind, open heart, and so on. We talk about differences. Oh, you know, yes, people should be welcome to have and, and be different. But when we sit down with someone who truly differs from us, it's it may be very hard to hear. It may be very hard to listen then at that moment because then our own reactivity right. is stirred because up. Because, again, it's where we, you know, how do we learn the tools or the that help us hold our own spaciousness in the in 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 the face of our fear or our emotional when I, again when we get triggered it's like in those moments that we want to be able to to be able to center and hold you know to have equanimity and to to keep keep the field open rather than close it down so that's so, where mindfulness comes in yes, you know that's, that's if you have any yeah. even a even a you know a little modicum right. of mindfulness right. skill right. You can at least follow your breath, right. notice the air on your face, right. the touch and of feel clothes. those feelings. And then you well, well, first you feel the neutrality, yeah. the neutrality, yeah. so you know you can tolerate your right. own exactly. feelings. Exactly. Then you feel your feelings. That's After right. you have the equanimity, you feel your feelings. You know what you're feeling, and then you don't necessarily have to speak it. Right. Then you can decide: Do I want to speak or not? But then, can you keep your ears open? Can you actually follow what the other person is saying so that you can say to them, here's how I understand what you're saying. And they can say, you got it. You got it. You're getting what I'm saying. And there's a tremendous relief then on both people's parts because there is a way, I truly believe there is a way that our species is one, is one species. And that we do have an underlying desire 
to love each other. Right. That starts with that natural right. compassion that we have as infants. Right. And so we're happier when we can hear and understand somebody. And also when we have a sense of, you know, mutuality and reciprocity with another, even if we can't language it. But well, we but know. particularly when we have a difference, exactly. a really big difference. I and mean, that's, then, that's maybe that's a, maybe that's step. I mean, it, I find that extraordinary when I can be, you know, in the face of, you know, um, strong difference, mm-hmm. but, but feel that there's this, this, connectivity between myself and the other and and my willingness to as hard as it might be for me but my willingness to be able to look at them and see that they're not you know uh wanting me dead Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that Mm -hmm. you know you can or you're wanting them dead. or right exactly yeah because more often it's our own aggression against the other that we find in the other we think it's them but it's actually us but you know if there's so much bullying going on right now too that sometimes we just lose our way you know there's so much of that in our culture right now we lose our way well you know again getting back to the idea that we're all one species and that we actually all had this very long childhood we all had families we all have personalities we all actually have a lot of the same sort of underlying structure and so we do when we stop with the you know sort of fighting back pushing and pulling Mm -hmm. we actually do know what it's like to be human and we can see in the other person that same landscape and when we can then there is this relief there is this relief because at that moment you do recognize in your being that we are one Mm -hmm. but to talk about being one is quite different from going through the process of being with somebody, of, yeah, yeah, you know, being yeah. with somebody who truly right. sees it differently right. from you. Right. I think of again the uh, the W. H. Auden line that uh, we must love one another or die. Yeah, you well, know, that's actually have, at the root of it. The, you know, in the darkest of times, that we yeah. can we can find a way to to find the better angels of our nature and to to to. I mean, in a sense, it's the heart of all spiritual traditions to learn the the the, the meta the meta dynamic of, of love. What does it mean to love another? What does it mean again? As we're talking to right. to have the skill of compassion, yeah. or to 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 realize there's it's how important equanimity is in terms of allowing the the mutuality and reciprocity to exist and if you each yes other. and if you have that dialogue that arouses that love it's a very you know? it's a beautiful thing and it's true intimacy well yes it and it is at a, but deep, it, at a very deep level too, so because can you, you imagine belong. to be truly intimate yeah. with somebody who doesn't believe in climate right, change right, right, you know because you right. understand that you belong to that, that person yeah has a different view, but is not intending to be destructive, but actually sees the world in a different way, you know, and then that sense of intimacy comes from the knowledge of that other. So, you know, that's, that's basically my point of view right now is the most important thing as we go forward is having both, both sides at every one of the big conversations include both sides and then let's see let's see once we hear both sides let's see what maybe makes sense we don't know until we've heard the contraries we don't know some of my friends who um, uh, 
are very devout practitioners and wise souls and kind souls in the city have have tried to find creative ways to interface when they've watched others out, you know, again, my life, out project on someone who doesn't have a mask or is being, mm-hmm. you know, yelling at somebody who's standing too close in line while they're waiting to go into the grocery store or, right. you know, and they're trying to find ways to dispel that a little bit or on the subways and things because yes. they... They want to participate in that way, and yes. they, they want to be in the city. This yes. is where they want to be. This yes. is their human family. Yes. And it's been interesting to listen to those stories mm-hmm. and stuff. And, it's like, uh, why do we have yeah. enemies yeah. Uh, on that level, that someone's not wearing a mask and you yeah. start to yell at yeah. them? Yeah. You know, you don't know. Maybe they don't own a mask. Right. You right. know, here in Vermont, maybe they don't own uh, a computer, and maybe they haven't heard That's about right. these things, you know? That's and right. so... To allow that the differences are legitimate and yeah. not 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 malicious. Do you need to create an enemy at any particular moment under these circumstances? Right, right, right. You know, and so that's well, really. Well, we certainly have opportunities now to really practice this. Well, this is the nature is, yeah, of what's happening. There's a great awakening. There's a great potential for an awakening that's come through the uh, this virus that has just entered all our lives in the most direct personal way. Well, it's entered them in the direct personal way that we're socially separated and that we are not in our normal jobs and we are, uh, many of us have not touched a single person uh, who in this period of time and certainly not anyone with a virus. And so unless we're in the healthcare business, which neither of us really is, we may never have even seen someone with a virus but we've talked about the virus a lot, right, you know. Right, right. But what we have seen is a whole different way of life in this right, period of right, time, and right, and all of us right, are seeing right, that who right, are, right. who are living um, on the grid, not outside the grid, you know. So, um, I so I hope that from you know just this moment of saying, can we have both sides, that we won't go forward speaking as though there is just one side and that everyone needs to get with that program. Right. You know, right. Uh, instead of we need a big conversation, we need a big, big, big dialogue to look at all of these implications because yes. many things are on the table that have never been on the table before right, right, about right, the future. Right. So, And so maybe you could say these are the better uh, angels of our nature that are, are, are stepping forward now and maybe are on the front lines that will be helpful to all of us. Well, I I <laughs> I would say the that of, I don't know, from... I don't entirely yet feel tremendously hopeful about the dialogue potentials. Where I do feel hopeful is having gone through many of these dialogues with individuals and I've seen how it is possible. But then I'm not a big mover and shaker in the culture and so I I hear much more of the one-sidedness when I hear people speaking, the where I do have tremendous hope is on the issue of uncertainty, that uncertainty is having its effects. And as it has effects on all of us, and that all of us who are plugged in to this, I believe that there will be more opening. I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping too. I'm hoping. Um, hoping. Yes. I'm, I'm hoping. So we'll be on this podcast talking about these kinds of things more uh, as we go Holly, forward thank here. thank you. Thank you. Thank this you, is, Eleanor. Oh, 
Thank you to everyone who's been listening with us today as well. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. And to continue the conversation, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find past episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and CastBox. Enemies from War to Wisdom is recorded and produced by Chris Coltrane.